Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Sick. And you're Marty. <laughs> and I'm Leland. And yeah. I forgot, sorry. You know what, Marty? Just get the disclaimer out of the way because pe- listener will probably think of it at some point, so you're sick. You've got a cold. Yeah, I'm. it's going to be Marty Mucus today, not Marty Monologue. <laughs> just deal gross. with it. Gross, gross, gross. That's good. Well, maybe we might not actually... Not just today, either. Kind of doing two episodes back to back here. Yeah, it, you're well, gonna be sick for the next four weeks. You're spoiling the illusion. Well, when when they tune in in two weeks and listen to the next episode, episode twenty four, they're gonna could, be like, "Hey, I could still at sick. that point act like I'm still sick. I'm very sick. Okay, I have fine. the swine. I'll, I'll edit the last thirty seconds out. Thank you. Maybe no, it'll you make won't. you grumpy, and we'll have our first ever three way fight, which would be pretty epic. Look, dude, you've been begging us for a three way since we met. Just quit it already. I I really have. <laughs> It's my dream come true. Just, we get it. Your testosterone's up. Just tone it down. <laughs> we don't like you that way. That's hard. <laughs> of course it's it is. literally hard. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Banter section. All right. You know what? I feel like Leland never leads us into banter. And so I want to throw it to you, Leland. Do you have anything for banter today? No. Okay, Marty Mucus, banter. <laughs> and that's why. Well, it's time for the well, Marty... I mean, I could talk about... I've just been playing God of War a lot, that's it. But we're going we're gonna to yes. talk about it next episode. Yeah. So let's and not perhaps bad. a little this episode in the uh, Death of AAA conversation. Yep. Definitely relevant. Yeah. So uh, I don't really have that much banter. Marty? Yeah, you know what? Um, <laughs> I think we're going to do a bonus on it or like at least something with it down the road. But I just wanted to just chime in on uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah. That was fun. That was so good. Leland sold it for me when he pretty much spent his whole day at work watching it. <laughs> so, I, you know, I went home, rented the first, uh, well, the first two episodes are free, actually, which was very smart. And kind of really sets up the season, too, because the first one kind of follows uh, Cobra Kai Jim, and the second one follows John or Danny. And you know what? It really makes you want to watch the last, uh, I think it was 10, right? 10 or was it 12? 10. 10, 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. The last eight episodes. And you know what? It was worth the like $25 or whatever it was. So worth it. Oh, yeah. I remember I watched it. Actually, I started early in the morning. I just had enough time before leading, leaving for work to watch the first episode. And when I got to the end, I quickly had to jump on Facebook and start posting about it to you guys. And on the thread because it's like, oh, my fucking goodness. This actually delivered. And I was so excited, I snuck the second episode at work, and oh, it was awesome. Could you? I couldn't now, now that I've lost my office and I moved into a cubicle with all the other office space worms. Eh, It kind of does, and I'm facing, my computer's facing a window now, so I just got to make sure there's no glare when I'm watching, like, porn, so, at work, so. You don't want that glare. You you need that anti-glare porn website. Uh, That's right, yeah. I got you covered, MartyGalore.xxx.ru Marty Galare. (laughs) Marty (laughs) Galare. That's what sets us apart. Well, we can't go. We can't go more than three episodes without mentioning porn on the show. Apparently so. not. <laughs> oh wait, I have banter. Oh, oh. Uh, save us. Marty and I recently saw Deadpool two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I really liked it. It was good. Yeah, we laughed pretty hard. Yeah, there was some like really good parts. Uh, yeah. I think one of my favorite parts was um, when Deadpool just like made like uh, a Hulk reference. 
He's like, the sun's getting real low. So, like, I don't want to spoil the part yeah. and who he said it to, but, like... <laughs> it was funny because I, I had had that sort of spoiled for me because I read a review where someone was like, yes, they may make, like, a stupid Age of Ultron reference. And I'm, I was waiting for it, and it was not stupid. That was so funny. No, it was hilarious. Yeah. And, you, you know, for the most part, I really like that film. I mean, we'll review it down the road, too. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, with full spoilers once Moby's seen it. But, you know, what was really awesome about it... Well, actually, you know what I didn't like about it so much was some some of the serious tone hmm. at times. Like, when yeah, it, it, it really it, jumped back and forth a lot. Yeah, like it almost spikes. got to like melodrama. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, well, I don't know, and it was kind of jarring because I was like, expecting it to like suddenly break that and then be funny again. Yeah, and it didn't always because well, it was specifically it was a uh, between. Uh, Wade Wilson and his girlfriend, right? Yeah. And in the first one, I guess they didn't, you didn't see that much interaction between them until the very end of the movie, like, you know, bef- uh, except for the parts before he became yeah. Deadpool, right? Their biggest interaction, even before he was Deadpool, was like the montage where they're having sex on every exactly. holiday, which right. is funny, exactly. right? Right. So this one got a little, I guess, a little more serious with, you know, the happenings between the two of them. And yeah. Which is character development for him, at least. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little... But it's difficult to, like you said, to really sell that character development with a character like Deadpool. Totally. Like, he, he, it's almost like just because of the way his character is and the whole fourth wall thing, he likes to break. He's above the development because any development you see has to be taken with a grain of salt because... He knows that we know that he's a character in this show, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's it's, yeah. Re- it's weird. It's weird. Did you catch the uh, Vanisher cameo? I didn't. Don't think you and I talked about it. We didn't talk about it. No. no. Did you catch it though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. Really weird. Surprising. Yeah. I've got a question. So the thing I'm most looking forward to in that movie is Peter as a member of the X Force team. Was he overhyped? Or, like, was his part smaller and not as funny as... No, it's funny, and it pays off. It does pay off. There is a Leland laugh in that film. (laughs) That is so hilarious. See, I can't even stop laughing talking about it. And it involves Peter? It involves a lot of people. A lot of people. (laughs) Okay. I'm liking where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, overall, um, I think I liked it more than the first one. Really? Yeah, I think so. It's really close though for me because yeah. I, I don't know why. I think I think this the sequel had more problems with it than the first one. Yeah, but there were some of the highs bigger really highlights. High. Exactly, yeah, like Domino yeah. was a really big high for me. Like all her action scenes are really cool. Yeah, so yeah, uh, the Domino's like the dumbest fucking character. Because well, she's and, just lucky, and right? they reference that, which I is know. hilarious. Like they do, but. But it made for some really cool fight scenes. It sounds cool. Because, like, I know what her special quote-unquote ability is. She's just lucky. So I think he can do a lot of fun stuff with that. Actually, yeah, there was was a couple of really, uh, particularly near the end of the movie, she's fighting that group of dudes. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty fucking funny. Well, how about uh, Josh Brolin being the the number one film in the world for two films in a row? That's crazy. That's nuts. Uh, I can totally see, I think we might have mentioned during the Infinity War, Moby, you were telling us that you had read, like, an, or seen an interview with Brolin saying that he much enjoyed portraying Thanos That's over correct. Cable. And I can definitely see why he enjoyed Thanos over the, more than Cable. Cable was weird in this movie because he, 
he played a pivotal part in it, obviously. He was basically what drove the plot. But we don't know anything about him still. Like, he's still, you know, and, and mostly what we don't know about him is we don't know how they're deciding to portray his past, um, specifically compared to how he is, you know, who whose kid he is in the comics. Like, he's Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor's kid. Madeline Pryor is like an evil clone of Jean Grey, et cetera, et cetera. So convoluted as fuck, basically. Right. So like, but they didn't even address any of that stuff because I don't think it was a movie for it. So I think it was fine. But it's like, oh, who the fuck is he now? Right. Well, what's sure. And you look at what, you know, Infinity War did with Thanos, which was basically make the movie about Thanos, deep character moments, all sorts of stuff. So once you've seen the two performances, which we had not when Brolin made those statements, now we know it's it's pretty it's, obvious right. why he prefers Thanos. Exactly. And it is obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like the, by no means is he bad as Cable, but no, it's Cable's like cool. Cable just is for a lot of reasons is there just to serve the plot, at least for a good chunk of that film. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean moving forward he could be a even more integral part and probably fit the Deadpool mold a little bit better as well. But yeah, good sweet, good sweet. film. It's worth seeing Moby. For sure. On that vein, I have some cool movie news that I don't know if you guys know. It just became official on Friday, I believe. It might have been on Thursday. So James Mangold, who helped write and he did direct Logan, has been officially hired by Disney to do the Boba Fett spinoff. I have heard this. You have heard this. Isn't that cool, though? Like, thinking if he can bring that kind of tone to Boba Fett, who's like a violent bounty hunter with no sense of humor. You know, I got to be honest. I don't have any stake in it. I yeah, just, I don't, give I don't really care about any more uh, Star Wars spinoffs. You know, I, I really never had Thanks, any guys. interest in uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> um, you know, I, I almost reluctantly see every Star Wars film. And, and I do really enjoy them. But it's not like a Marvel. Hey, you always seem to enjoy them way more than either of the two of I know, us. and you think I'd be fucking excited for it, but right. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's years off. Let's wait until we see a couple trailers because certainly, like, I don't think Disney would allow it. But if if they could go, like, rated R with a Boba Fett movie, that would really fucking intrigue me. Just the shit they could pull. That would be like a dream come true. That would be cool. They were working on a uh, Star Wars game a long time ago that was kind of in, like, that R-rated, like tone for you know in that dark part of the star wars universe and that sounded really cool and then it got canceled like that yeah. that could make it pretty interesting okay so what differences would an r-rated star wars movie swearing and breasts okay it, no it would be it would be explicit gratuitous violence like you would see him one of the things they always say about boba fett is no disintegrations that's what darth vader tells him you'd probably see very graphic disintegrations with a lot of screaming um that yeah, sort but of it, stuff i know what you're saying Neyland, it wouldn't be so because all the weaponry no there's there wouldn't be any gore nobody's walking around with bladed weapons or like metal projectiles actually everything that goes in and out of somebody like okay, so in, he, he's got rockets, and okay, and okay, and cool. in the books, he's like uh, there's something called vibro knives, which yeah. are essentially vibrating knives. They're a big deal in the books, but okay. they're never okay. used cool. in the movies. All right, all right, I stand corrected then. That yeah. could be sweet then. That could be really cool. I thought you were gonna be talking more along the lines of like what what's that gonna make? What's that gonna do for Star Wars in particular? Like just, well, yes, just making yes. it dark. Like 
why why does it have to be Star Wars? You know what? Because I think that I think if Disney was trying to keep a pulse on things, the group of fans that hate the Last Jedi and hated um, why am I oh the Force Awakens? Most of them actually really liked Rogue One because Rogue One was more serious and kind of like a dark war film. So if Disney has the pulse on that, they would say, well, those fans are going to like another dark movie. Mm. And those fans probably like Boba Fett. He's a very popular character. That makes sense because the rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they are, Marty. Leland knows what I'm talking that about. That is a great way to suck the air out of the room. So I'm done with my banter. Okay, but I... I okay, I want to go... I'm, I'm not okay. done with this. I'm okay. not done with this. What? What... Because because I apparently have a crazy hatred for Star Wars. And I like apparently to bitch and so. complain around Listen about Star Wars. Knows. Even though, yes, like Marty, I also reluctantly is a very good descriptor of going to see those movies. And what, okay, whoop de doo he's, he's Boba Fett. He's a bounty hunter. He's got no, you know, he's no morals. He's very scrup- it's scrupulous, scrupulous, whatever the fuck the word is. So would having a, a an R rating... Do that. That's what's going to do that character the most justice. Yes. That plot wise, character development wise, yes. entertainment wise, that's what's going to make that character. That's what's going to be the best. Yes, especially if they take any sort of draw from his uh, origin story. He kind of had a very violent childhood upbringing, kind of fought in a gladiatorial sort of combat ring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they could do a lot of violent Spartacus style stuff like that if they wanted to. Um, and it's not like Disney has not drawn from the extended universe before. They brought Thrawn back in the fold in their clone War, or their in their uh, Rebels animated series. So it wouldn't be unheard of. They're not going to do that. They're not going to make an R-rated Boba Fett movie. I don't think they are. They never do. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you. But but I do think you'll get it like a PG-13 where they'll try to push some things a little bit. I honestly doubt that too. Okay, that I don't agree with. I seriously doubt that. I think they'll push PG-13. No, no, no. no. I highly doubt that. Would you like to bet something on this? Like legitimately, do you want to put a bet on it? Like a wager? Okay, just a fun one. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I will bet you... um, I'll bet you a medium pizza of your choice from Big Daddy's if – so I win if the Boba Fett film is PG-13. Or higher. Or higher. You win if it's – well, it'll be PG. It's PG, yeah. Which is what? All the other Star Wars have been PG, right? right? Okay. Right. And then – Sure. I like it. Okay. Done. Well, we'll shake on it. shake it right it. now. There we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Big like Daddy's. Was like uh, Rogue One just PC, PG? It was PG-13. Hmm. Two were. Um, Rogue One was – uh, and, uh, what was it? Um, what am I, oh, episode three was PG-13. Mm. Oh, interesting. All the burning okay. scenes of Annika, Anakin burning in the lava pit sense. and shit like that. That makes sense. So that is a nice, that goes back to like how they do their movie ratings and shit too, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, I'd cool. Be, I'd be fine losing that bet. Cool. I didn't realize Rogue One was also, Rogue One was also PG-13. So that's a pretty low bar for PG-13. So you might have this bet, but. We shook. It's locked in. I'm ready to lose. I'll, I'll start uh, saving up for my cheat meal now. <laughs> Years in advance. Well, do we want to fucking move on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. All, All right. right. It's time for movie musings. This uh, episode or this segment called DCU. 
This was an idea that I believe I put into our mystical hidden imaginarium, as we call it, listener, where we have all these ideas that we float out for future shows. And it's always intrigued me how the DC Extended Universe always seems to be playing catch up to the MCU and can never get good traction with their tires. So I wanted to discuss it. Oh, I've got lots of ideas about this. Um, yeah, I think we all do. I think we're all jacked to really talk about this. So, Marty, if you'd like, uh, start with some oh, opening thoughts. I'll take us off. Off and running. Pop uh, off You know what? Marty. When you look at these films and just how they've grossed domestically and internationally, the most surprising thing is that Justice League is by far the lowest grossing film. What? Really? It's $100 million below the next film. Wow, I didn't find that. How is that possible? Like, that that should be the film that makes the most money, is the biggest event film, and they should have built to that, and it should have been the biggest thing of the year almost. You know, Even it, just it, off first views. Like, just people well, that see it one time, even if they hated yeah. it, you have to go see it. I mean, it still made a lot of money, don't get me wrong. I think it made $750 million internationally, which is a lot. But a movie like that must have cost them with, you know... The amount of times I saw those terrible advertisements, you know, $500 million probably with ads and with, you know, production and with, uh, I think, the reshoots they had to do. Like, it, it was a big investment. And yet, it made $100 million less than the next film. And then you look at the their most popular film financially, and probably critically, Wonder Woman. And Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Both. Yeah, and that, crazy. And that is, it's... You know, this defines it for me. It's like that is a standalone character based story. Of course, it did have the, you know, the feminine power hype kind of going into it right. for sure, right? You know, female director and everything. But it's a good film. It's a good character driven film and it's, it does its job well. Yet these big event films that they've tried to pull off with, um, uh, was Batman vs. Superman and Justice League have just kind of not really felt cohesive. Like, no. And and to be fair, I haven't seen Justice League, so I shouldn't call it. <laughs> I should have watched it. <laughs> but you know, I really just based on reviews and based on like Batman versus Superman, like it just, just didn't feel like these characters had enough time to grow before they made these films. No. Yeah. Well, and one Sorry, thing so before you go yeah, there, Mo, go ahead. uh according to Business Insider, Justice League cost $600 million to make. Ooh. Does that include marketing fees? Does it? Say? I'm not sure. I'm if not it sure. doesn't, then that lost money. Oh, counting production, marketing, and other fees okay. and residual deals. So yeah. So in. that is a small and disappointing profit, is what that would be. Well, apparently, at the time of this article, it's projected to lose about 100 million, but I don't know. Hmm. Whereas Wonder Woman, what did what did they take? Oh. Looks like it had a production budget of 150 million. So, oh wow, that's not including marketing. Is yeah, it? marketing usually throwing about 150 million right. worldwide, something like that. Grossed 412 million in the U.S. Holy crap! Worldwide total of 821.9 okay, so million. Okay, so that made mad bank. Wow. When you have production that's crazy. costs that low, that's, that's crazy. mad bank. Well, you know what? Wonder Woman is the DCU's one unblemished gem where no one can reasonably say, like, that wasn't a good movie and that sucked. And I have some thoughts on why that was. Um, Hit us with them. I want to hear them. Well, and it goes to my overall thought. I think that the DCU has been poorly led. It has a, basically it's been struggling to find its identity since its inception. 
And this came up in one of our podcasts past where I basically said that the DCU for too long has been trying to be not Marvel. Marvel's too lighthearted. We're darker. You know, Marvel does this. We, we do things this way. And I think Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, just didn't even really think about that stuff, to be honest. She just thought about the character, and I want to make a character-driven story. And I just like Wonder Woman. And I think that's kind of the identity that the DCU needs to get. Stop looking at the other cinematic universes out there and just do your own thing. Um, that's one of the problems they have. I think putting Zack Snyder as the creative director of that is not good. No, that's my other problem as well. I mean, Zack Snyder, in my mind, has come out with one unabashedly fantastic film ever, and that's Watchmen, in my mind. Sure, and it's funny, that, but I, Watchmen's polarizing amongst fans, though. It, it is. Yeah, it this is. It's weird. It is weird because I don't see how you could not like that. I, I, I don't understand that either. Like, I really enjoy that movie. Like, it the, did such amazing fan service. One of the best, like, three and a half hours of film I think you could watch. 100%. Yeah. And having – it's one of the very, very few comics or graphic novels that I've actually read was Watchmen. And, I mean, there were a few changes they made which I felt were reasonable, such as the ending. Yeah. Instead, yeah. You know, nukes instead of blue octopuses. But <laughs> – um, I felt for the most part it was like reading the comic book except on screen. And the director's cut was even better. I, yeah. That's the version I own. And it's you know what? fantastic. He has this certain style of his films, like a certain style of this action with like the slow-mo fight scenes. And like there's certain things that just don't lend itself well to every film. Right. But they lended it, it was lended really well to Watchmen because Watchmen has almost a sort of cheesy sort of 80s feel to it like these washed up heroes and like nostalgic feel there's a lot that you 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 can't really ruin it by doing that and it just makes it better it's almost like super exciting like old comic book style like pow smash kabam like seeing these characters fight because it's from that time right yet when you try to do that for a film like you know a batman or a superman i don't think it works it just they're not the same you can't assume they're the same yes Yes, and that's exactly what's factoring into things. See, like you just said, Zack Snyder cannot not have that style of his and bring that to the table. And it's like if you had a bunch of cars, Zack Snyder would throw the same chrome and accessories on every single car, regardless if it was like a Ford F-150 or an amazingly beautiful Lincoln. He would throw the same shit on everything. And so that's why he's not good as a creative director because you have to adapt. What do we like about the different uh, Marvel franchises right now? We talked about this. They all have their own identity. They have their own genres. They, they're they completely different. But had Snyder been in charge of the MCU, you can bet they'd all feel more similar. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, the problem is like Watchmen came out in 2009. Yeah. The guy hasn't changed how he directs in a decade. No. And that's no. that's usually a problem, right? Like, it is. I mean, especially the last decade, I mean, the amount of changes that the world has just gone through, like, socially and politically and all this nonsense. And so, I don't know, he just, he he just, he's not adapting. It's it's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of superhero films as a genre, you know, Watchmen was at the beginning of this phase of, you know, not beginning of the superhero film phase, but the the beginning of when it really took off, you know, like in that 
late 2000s when suddenly we were getting inundated with three of them a year and now more right mm-hmm. but it was okay back then to do that film it, it fit it was fine and you know it, it, it did lend itself well to that source material but now you can't just do the same thing over again you know if you do that you end up with film you know films like Thor the Dark World or whatever where they're just yeah. very generic superhero films right. that do not lend themselves well to standing out yeah. Well, and I and I think when when you know where you want to end up, like and this might actually turn into a shitty analogy, but okay. So the DCU, everybody at the top, they know exactly where they want it and what they want it to be. But when they then say that, so you they're filling in the gaps between point A and point Z. But they're skipping all the letters in between, right? Like, they're just trying to fast track it all. Because, like you said, Moby, like, they're so behind. Basically, you know, we, even off mic, we had the, the what what term did you use? The Marvel, when we were talking about, like, shared universe oh, stuff. What yeah. was the term you used? Like, the Marvel formula or whatever you yeah, said. Yeah, the Marvel formula. Or the Marble syndrome or whatever. Yeah, or, or whatever, right? Like, and, and that term itself has only come about because of the success of the Marvel the cinematic universe, right? But like, so they have this benchmark and they have this cinematic universe they want to build up on this pedestal, but like there's no steps to get to the top of it and they're, they're missing a bunch of stuff in between, right? Well, you have to build excitement for these films. So everyone was excited for the first Avengers because that was the first of its type. You know, it was the first time we were going to see these like movie franchises come together. But with Justice League... We didn't have, well, like, for the first thing is we only had really two, well, we had three. I guess we did have Wonder Woman before Justice League. Yeah. But Batman vs. Superman had already introduced Wonder Woman. Um, a lot of the other characters in uh, Justice League were just introduced pretty much in Justice League, right? Yeah. And so there's no build-up for Flash. There's no build-up for Cyborg, really. Like, I mean, they go under the assumption that people know them, which they do. But there's no, like, character building for these characters. We're right. just, they're throwing them into an action flick, right? Which is never good. It's never good when you do that. That's why Age of Ultron feels kind of blah. Because you have additions of characters that have no real meaning to them. And, uh, you know, they're stuck with the same problem here. And, frankly, I just think they have an identity crisis to begin with in these films. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that also is when you are introducing those characters into like a straight up action movie like if if they don't if you don't pull it off then those characters are tainted for yes. their own solo movies yes so it's really risky i think mm-hmm. the way they've done it well and that's i think one of the biggest issues that franchise is facing is that people now have an inbred hatred and distaste for some of these films yeah. so now yeah. i think this is probably why justice league didn't do as well is the reviews were poor but not incredibly poor, just poor to mediocre, probably, right? And but people look at the films that they've just seen, like seen just or uh, Suicide Squad or Batman vs Superman, and I can tell you, but after seeing Suicide Squad, that I wasn't excited to see another DC film after that one. No, Suicide Squad was fucking awful. It was really bad, and but I know a lot of average moviegoers with no kind of interest in superhero films that enjoyed sitting through it as a sort of popcorn flick. (laughs) Right. Moby sticks his hand up. I kind of enjoyed it. I didn't think it was fantastic. I never bought it. I thought it was honestly like 
It was pretty bad. It was really, it was really bad, dude. Like the writing was the writing, fucking the writing garbage. was terrible. That's that's the backbone of DCU's problem. Yeah, the that writing is, true. is bad. Very poor. Writing. They tried to hide it between behind licensed music. That yes. was like what yes, they did. Yes, I agree with that. I do agree with that. One hundred percent serious. Now, even having said that, there were a lot of parts of Suicide Squad that were were good. Yeah, and that I oh, enjoyed, yeah. but you a know, of, a few characters were really good too. But some of the parts being great does not make it a whole. No, I, mean, I will. I will admit yeah. it felt like a mess. It felt like an absolute mess, and I think yeah. I told you guys that, even though I was entertained by it. You could argue that it's a fun mess. There are parts of it that are fun. That's true. Um, it's definitely it, like the most lighthearted movie the DCU has. Yeah, that has. That's one thing it has going for it, which is like weird because like these. The main character is like they're trying to make like these killers and these criminals like lovable. Yeah, <laughs> right? they, were, like, they were trying to give it the guardians treatment almost. You know, like yeah, like these slight antihero, but even further. You know, like yeah, these, yeah, yeah. these are actually villains, but they're going to do something heroic and we're going to make it fun. You know, give it this lighthearted tone. And they yeah they kind of succeeded with some think, of the characters. I think so because well because D- some Deadshot of the characters yes, but because Deadshot is not it. Has not crossed the line to villain as as much as any of these other characters. Killer Croc have. who eats people, right? <laughs> so so now they're now they're treading that line of trying to make these characters redeemable and want the audience to want the characters to redeem themselves, right? But that's not what's going to happen. That's not what characters they are. And if they do, then they're not they're not portraying the characters how they should be, in my opinion. Mm. And okay, so BVS, I wanted to love Batman vs. I was so jacked up for some of those trailers before it came out. Yeah, and I was I was really let down with the theatrical release. Um, it just again, it, I felt like the writing was just really poor, really bad edit job. Yeah, oh, that was the, that movie. was what I disliked the most was yeah. just how it was put together. Yeah. In, like, there's a lot of, like, flashbacks and, like, dream sequences that are put in weird spots that are, that don't fit and seem unnecessary. And then the ones that were necessary, apparently, are in the, uh, edited version. So, like, the, the uncut version. So, like, you've said, like, some of the scenes from that actually make the yeah, yeah, yeah. more sense. You get, right? you get a lot more, um, exposition. Yeah. So, uh, the scenes actually do make sense. Like, it's a much better version of that movie, for sure. And I also, obviously, really disliked their Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. I, I fucking like, hated you know, Eisenberg's it, portrayal of Lex. That was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. It was terrible. Kentucky Mash. Grandma's secret for a long life. <laughs> the only thing yeah, I remember uh, about that guy. Because I love, I love my Kentucky Mash. So then when it came to see so when it came to Justice League being released, one, I had no idea when the release date was. And then it came and it went and I didn't even notice not seeing it. Yeah. That's a bad fucking that sign. Is. That and is bad. Now I kinda wanna see it now that we're talking about it. Yeah, I know. I I I want to watch it, but obviously I don't want to watch it enough to to go to find it and watch it. I don't want to spend the money on it. No. Ah, I'm just I'm, sad about it. Like I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm just like I'm sad. That's worse. We, we keep, I'm not mad at you, DC. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we keep dancing around an issue that I want to nail down because I do have it as one of my core things that's wrong with the DCU, which is they have poor theatrical cuts. 
And this was always something in my mind because I knew that when these movies were recut for director's cut for DVD and Blu-ray, that they were much more critically acclaimed. And where this really crystallized was Leland and I uh, like to watch this guy on YouTube named uh, George Rockdahl Schmidt. And oh, yeah, yeah. Do you still watch him? I haven't in a while, actually. Okay. No. He did a video on studio interference, and the DCU Mm. was just part of it. And he basically mentioned, like, look at all these DCU movies. They're being cut terribly to, like, fit into smaller time slots. So, you know, the studio thinks they can make more money and that people like it more. Right, they can fit in more But it's the director's cuts that critics and fans like. Like, yeah. So one of the things I have for improving the DCU is – be bold and release those director's cuts theatrically. And you know what? You'll make more money when people come back to see it two or three times because they really like it. Well, it's funny how if their overall goal is to get that shared universe, right? That's so – it doesn't synergize with what they're trying to build. No. Right? Like they're just thinking in the moment. They're not thinking long term. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it comes to the long term part of the plan – they got no foundation on on which to execute. Right. Well, and that's where Marvel has succeeded. They have really been building to this uh, two-part Avengers flick for, was it 12 years now? 10 years? Yeah. 10 years, right? 10 years, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is insane, right? Like, that's 19 films to get to the, you know, what's going to end up being, I think, their 20, uh, 21st film will be, wrap up the uh, fourth, uh, no, 22nd film. We'll wrap up the phase, uh, the phase three. three, right? Yeah. You know, uh, maybe DCU just needs three years away from the next team up. You know, take, take yeah. three years away, build up bats, build up soups because that Man of Steel two is coming, and that could be good. I mean, I would love it. I hope so. I, I really like Man of Steel. Yeah, and, and I like Cavill the Superman. I d- you the know, guy's a fucking monster. Like, yeah, I every time he's got a he's got a scene where he's lifting something, this is yeah. like. I like it. It's, I really it's like it. It's certainly one of the best. Uh, it's got to be the best Superman film, I think. I don't. I don't really have much stake in the old, you know, uh, flicks from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know the the Reeves films are more nostalgic than anything. But yeah. I mean, like Superman two was a really good film. It was odd. Yeah, that's true. That is that is iconic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't hold up now, but well, even. You know, we we like Ben Affleck as Batman, but it's just the writing for him has been so poor that what do we think of Martha? You know, that's all I can. That's think all of. we think about, and it sucks. That's Be- all anybody can think of, really. including Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There was a there was a, a joke Martha of that show. in Deadpool too. That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's it's you know, it goes back to what you're saying that these like egregious errors they've made in writing are what sticks out to us as hardcore fans. And we start to ridicule uh, the DCU. I, you know what? I would say more than disappointment for the DCU, my feelings could be summed up in that I don't respect the DCU. I don't respect what they've made. I don't respect what they've grown so far. And all it is, like I say, yeah, I was entertained by Suicide Squad as a throwaway. I don't believe I own a sim- a single DCU film. And I buy a lot of movies. Yeah, like you own every movie. I own every movie. I own a ton of the MCU. But, no, I don't own any DCU. That's saying something. 
And I have no reason to want to right now. Hmm. You know, I think one of the things that really stood out for me, thinking about Batman versus Superman in particular, is the writing for these characters. And they're treading a dangerous line because we have such a nostalgic and like mythological tie in to like these characters now that have been around for, you know, well, Batman's been around for like what, 80 years now? 90? Like, yeah, you know, since 1930s. I yeah, think. which is like a long time, right? So we, there's this mythos behind these characters that is really built up. And you risk alienating and really upsetting fans and kind of ruining these films if you change them too drastically. If you go too far too fast, you know, mm-hmm. there are rules when you write comics with these characters set in their particular universes. You can't do certain things, right? It would, right. you can if we make, you know, what if this happened or ultimate, you know, Marvel or whatever, right? But in this particular film, I mean, we see Batman murdering people. <laughs> and, you know, I'll finally come out and say it. He kills a lot of people. Yeah, he does. I, I tried to cover up for him. I was like, oh, no, no, uh, they're, they're fine. They're just a little. They're fine. We're all fine. They're right just now. a little How jet lagged. It's still good, but no, they're they're dead, <laughs> and uh, and he and he doesn't care. And that's the most important fact in that film. And they don't explain why. We don't know why this Batman does this. At least in Batman vs Superman, maybe in Justice League they explain it. I doubt it. It's a weird decision, and it's a dangerous decision for that character to alienate fans. I know, like what are they what are they gaining when they go against like these decades of source material, right? Like that's so that's really important. Like that's not just, I know, like isn't know. that not the majority of their fan base, the people who are already familiar with these characters and just want to see a live action portrayal of them? You know, because yeah. you do those characters fan service and you, you know, you don't make any huge, crazy, insane changes that are going to upset people. And then you're the other part of your fan base for people who don't give a shit about these characters and don't know any better. Yeah. They're just being they're just seeing the character, how the character should be portrayed. So how what difference are they going to make? Well, and, and it's fine if you take these character traits and you expand on them, you know, yeah. or you make subtle changes, you know, like who cares if they change a character to male or male to female, like a minor side character. Like I think in the new Ant-Man, the, the villain is uh male in the comics and they made her uh made him a female in the new movie because i don't even know who that character is right oh yeah so it probably fits in better with fighting wasp or whatever right so there's probably a reason for that but in this case you know we have batman who has a lot of backstory you know like a um, a, an unthinkable amount of backstory right Mm -hmm. and a lot of it probably doesn't fit in very well because that's what happens with comic books but he has main character traits so you can't change certain things you know not without screwing it up you can expand on it you can add things a little bit you can make some cool new additions you can do whatever but you go too far man you're in bad territory mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that it's just uh yeah i don't know man like especially like i think of uh drax in the mcu he is incredibly different from how he's portrayed in the comics they totally underutilized him with his him his Drax's and Thanos' relationship in the comics is incredibly different from how it's portrayed 
in the MCU. Yes, especially in the I think in uh, the last one, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, I but, mean, Drax is supposed to be like the Thanos killer, right? He can he can track him. He can find Thanos wherever he is in the in the galaxy and blah blah blah. However, you can get away with it a little bit better with a character like Drax, yeah, because less people know. Right. So and then that. So then, when you're fiddle fucking with literally the holy trinity of the DC universe of comics of anything the fucking like literally they're referred oh, to as the yeah. trinity for christ's sake well sakes. exactly and that i mean that batman you, superman and wonder you Woman. couldn't say it any better they're literally like you know the the zeus level like gods of this universe you right. know like you can't change them that much right yeah exactly you know zeus doesn't suddenly shoot fucking you know flower petals you know he shoots lightning you know <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's a stupid decision to make yeah, I don't know. It's just boggles my mind. Boggles my mind. I mean, I, I have said before um, that if there's a reason that he's all murder fucky, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Explain I don't mu- it. I know. I just want to know what it is. I just want to get on board with it. Because we have seen, uh, you know, Bats be portrayed as losing his, you know, abilities, losing his touch with being able to stop this, like, you know, these supervillains and actually, you know, considering violence, considering this and, and sometimes going as far as that, you know, if he, especially if they showed him having lost Robin or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. You know, rather maybe show a little more than tell in some instances here because I think you need to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, what's what's next? We're going to we talk a little bit about how they can fix it, right? Yeah, and I mean, I've only really got two things to fix. So one I've already mentioned, which is put the director's cuts into the theater. Have that be your theatrical cuts. Who cares if they're longer? And the next one is, I've also touched on too, which is um, just forge your own identity. Don't even think about what the other cinematic universes are doing or what they've done or how they've succeeded. Just focus on your characters, make the characters true to themselves and, I mean, it sounds like a simple formula, but DC isn't doing it. So, for the most part, with the exception of Wonder Woman. Um, I also wanted to point out there's a little bit of hope in that I looked up on Forbes, which is a, a good money-like website about what everything's earning. And the DCU is actually pretty much on par with Marvel for Blu-ray and DVD sales primarily due to the well-received director's cuts of these films. Well, and uh, no one saw them in theaters, so then they rent them when they come out. <laughs> yeah. Blu-ray. Yeah, or buy them. <laughs> um, but I, I just thought that gives a little bit of hope. I mean, I, I want to be wowed by the DCU. I want to find a Batman that I love and a Superman that I love, because I've never really been connected to those characters. We all want to find a Batman that we love. <laughs> yeah, see, I've always loved Supes. So maybe that's why I, I like Man of Steel. Like my love of the characters trumping like maybe some of the problems Man of Steel had. But I thought Man of Steel was a really good movie. Yeah, I it didn't wow me, but I liked it. Yeah. I know and I know most people who I know that are into superhero flicks really liked it. Yeah. So I mean I'm probably the exception that I was kinda like, okay, that's that's okay. Like a good okay, but just okay. Yeah. Like Man of Steel to me is like a seven. Well, that's probably what I would give it too. 
But, you know, I, I usually give things like nine and a half. So, right. right. My seven is like a point and a half or ish below your. Yeah, your seven is like an 11 for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> I love it. I love everything. <laughs> That's great. Gee golly, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge disappointment. Nine out of ten. <laughs> That's a, actually really accurate. Yes, sir. That's not accurate. I think I gave it a nine. Oh, you. I thought you were talking about me. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. Come on. I'm talking about me. My ratings don't jump that significantly, do they? No. I mean, when I love it, I really love it. Oh, yeah. You're I don't eight. think I've given anything in between an eight, like an eight or an eight and a half. I should just it's call, either a seven or, or You should just call you seven, seven eleven. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either seven or lower or nine or higher. Like, yeah. <laughs> but unlike 7-Eleven, he's not always open to new ideas in <laughs> Oh my god, are we done with this? I think we're done. Like, what did we do? We just bitch for, for half an hour. That was actually in my notes. I was like, let's start bitching for <laughs> half an hour. Well, oh. we just solved all your problems, DC. There you go. We'll see in a few years did if we? you fixed it. Did we solve anything? I don't know. How about you solve the rest of this episode by... Bringing up your uh, wait a second though uh, this oh. final th- what is the next DC movie that's supposed to come out? Aquaman yeah, it's Aquaman yeah okay okay which I mean I don't care about but Amber Heard is in it so that's cool oh well first night <laughs> seeing it <laughs> I well, already have tickets Moby don't worry okay <laughs> I gotta watch Justice League yeah I think I might watch that soon what why don't we make a commitment that we will watch the director's cut first? Let's see what it is not tainted. But maybe maybe yeah. it'll change your mind. Maybe. Maybe it'll be a, a That's what movie. I'm going to do. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. Okay, we're going to do that. Just for you, listener, because we know how much you love DC. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, if it's for listener, I'm not doing it. All right. Fuck listener. Yeah. We don't care about our listener. He and or she is... Not devoted. Well, and the are right. Okay, can we just move on to the next segment? Like, I'm feeling the air getting sucked out of here. Well, it's usually you doing that, too. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you, we must be off today. Wow. Humor. I thought it was good. That's all that matters. <laughs> Time for the video game variety show. I'll lead to two segments. I don't feel anymore. awkward. I can keep going. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's time for the video game variety show with your host, Marty. And his pals, Leland and Moby. Is that good? I like that introduction. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay, cool. We should uh, maybe start episodes like that. Yeah. We should. It's like, like the Super Friends. We're the Super Friends. Speaking of DC. That was yeah. a great time because we just finished talking about DC. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Super Friends so is how a DC we started. property. I'm Leland Steele. And this is the Leland Steele Show with my pals, Marty and Moby. my Super Friends. My super but not friends. as super as Leland Steele. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super, but you're not. Gotcha. Right. right. I'm the super. You're the friend. Yeah. Well, now, we are the super friends. The, the segment started 20 minutes ago now. <laughs> okay. Well, this segment is called the death of AAA. I hope you're happy. You killed video games. You know, are we coming to a point where these little indie titles are so popular that there's not really a place for AAA titles? Like, I, we, we made this as a idea. We put this up as an idea, like, Right near the beginning, when we first started the podcast, we just kind of got to it. And having just played an, an awesome AAA title, I almost didn't want to do this because I don't really 
think AAA is dead, but I have some thoughts on it. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about, because there are some great indie titles out there. And I know Moby's big in indie games. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought we'd, we'd dive in a little bit. And, um, you know, I thought we'd start with some favorite indie games. Yep. You know, and uh, kind of give some reasons why we like them so much. And I'll, I'll throw it to Moby. Yeah, I've got five. So I don't know if you guys are thinking Jesus. I should just uh, work. I mean, I don't have to spend a lot of time on them, but maybe just go from five, four, three, two, one, or something like that. Yeah, just go through them all. You do it. Well, at number five, I have Layers of Fear, which was one of the scariest, most trippy games I played in a long time. It was the first quote unquote walking simulator I ever played. And I loved it. It's just optimized for my PC for some reason. And the graphics are gorgeous. And it was just really dark and scary and a great experience. Number four, I have Xenonauts, which I've trumpeted a few times. Just a turn-based, squad-based strategy game, which I really enjoy. Fighting aliens, feeling like you never have enough equipment or guys. Um, It's a lot of fun. Is that one like Xenoblade? Um... No. <laughs> I know they both involve Xeno there, Marty. Oh. But Xenonauts is nothing like Xenoblade. <laughs> no relation. Oh, well. Number tried. three, and I think it's an indie game. I'll tell Plants you. Plants vs. Zombies? Uh, well, was it? Let's say yes and continue, and maybe we can get into a true definition of a AAA. Well, see, that's the now, thing. How do you guys think? What do you guys think of when you think of AAA? I'm thinking of like a major studio that's well-known, like Blizzard, EA, whatever. You take your pick, Activision. Um, and it's got to be a game that's like 70 80 bucks to start. <laughs> they all have microtransactions for the most part now. Um, Cutting-edge specs as far as, you know, what you need to run that thing with really decent graphics. You have to have a top-end machine or console. Uh, yeah, and that there's a lot of marketing that that goes into a AAA release as well. So I just throw throw that out there. I know we want to jump on that, so I'll just finish with my top two. Number two, Papers Please, which I hope you guys get at some point, or if there's ever a great sale, I'll just buy it for you. Uh, really fun. <laughs> well, game. Then why would I buy it? Yeah, why would exactly. why would we wait? For I that? guess. I just said, well, hold on, and you'll get it for free. So that's a good idea. <laughs> Why would I clean my basement? My mom's going to come down there and do it for me. <laughs> she, she always has. Exactly. She still does. <laughs> and number one, no surprise at all, Stardew Valley. Recently reinvigorated by our multiplayer game. That's like the epitome of like indie games. One man who's been working <laughs> on it for forever. Versus the world. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's amazing. Oh, and it just was so much fun playing it with you guys. I, that was the one of the most really fun afternoons. It was, and like I had to force me myself to to actually kind of be like, let's stop now. Yeah, but I remember. Like, I would have been fine playing like, forever. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to jump into have. it again because it's too good to leave. Yeah, I just think you should change your character. He's weird, and you and Leland <laughs> have to stop sleeping in the same bed. We all slept in the same bed one night because we all rushed back. We did. We're like, oh no, I'll sleep. Look, Marty's house is very, the closest very... house to town. If we got to rush, we're running back at 1.50 in a.m., you yeah. got to get into bed. That's hey, the excuse. Hey, that's Bill Cosby's <laughs> excuse. That's not your excuse. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that was his excuse. <laughs> and my excuse for that one night is that you guys forced me into it. You kept me in the mines too late. My, I lost my mind in the mines. You consented. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have this form that you signed. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So who else, uh, Marty? I mean, you've got a list of a few top uh, indie games. So I'd like. Yeah, to hear I that. wrote down a few. Uh, you know, I've been enjoying walking simulators lately a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Edith Finch was yes. really fun. You know, it's a short game, but it was really, really well done. Uh, I really liked uh, Emily is Away too. Um, for you know a dollar I paid for it it really wow. evoked the you know emotions it was going for and kind of made me feel like it was 2005 again which was a weird thing to want but I enjoyed it uh, and I like to the moon which you know mm-hmm. for a game that is essentially looking like it was from 1985 I didn't think a game that looked that way and had essentially no gameplay yeah. could actually evoke the emotions and tell the story it did, which was really interesting because it really has almost no gameplay. No, it doesn't. It's like walk and grab a ball. Yes. And that's and, the and then you, gameplay. And you, you solve a very basic puzzle Yeah, that by the end of it, they're all very easy and similar. I thought maybe you would have enjoyed it more because I know you hate puzzles, so it may have been challenging for you. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing your playtime was twice as long as mine, but um, you know, for me, it was it was a very short. It's a good game for like a two, a two, you know, sit sit down and play it twice because it's split up in like two acts too. I think so. Yeah. You know, for like whatever four and a half hours it takes to beat it, you could either do it in one day or two, and you'd feel pretty good about it. Uh, and other than that, I, I just recently picked up Factorio, which has been pretty fun for the little bit I played it. It's like a factory building kind of like resource management game. Um, that gets super complicated with like building fat, like, uh, uh, essentially like a, a giant factory that's self, that, that should eventually be autonomous. So you're eventually building like a sort of civilization that is build rebuilding itself as you go. Um, I haven't got very far, so I don't have anything close to what I could have in that game. And I'm not even sure if I have the, the mind to get very far in it. Like, I think you need to be a certain type of person, but it, it looks like a really fun game and Review wise, I I don't think I've seen a game have higher reviews on Steam. Wow. It's like ninety eight percent overwhelmingly pos- positive. Wow, which to me is what sold it, honestly. Huh. Cool. Leland indie games. Yeah, um, one of my favorites is Firewatch. Oh yes, yes. And wasn't I begging you to play that? Like I really pushed you, and that's a bad thing, listener, because if you push Leland to doing something or watch something or playing something, that's not a good way to get um, him to do that. Actually, no. what happened was you reminded me of it. Because um, oh, okay. I had wanted him to play it because I knew uh, Rich Summer had voiced one of the main characters. And I really enjoy Rich Summer and his all of his performances and everything he does. So you, like, reaffirming it definitely, like, pushed me over the edge. Certainly to, helped to that, get it that Rich sure. Summer likes his board games. <laughs> yeah, Rich Summer does like his did, board games. Marty, did you ever play Firewash? Not yeah. yet. Yeah, I, that one is. W- would you agree with me, Leland, that that's a hard recommend to Marty? I if he likes other walking simulators, Firewatch. Yeah, what yeah. Do you mean hard as in he, he might not like it. Yeah, as in like we're very confident he will like it when he eventually. Oh yeah, yeah, it. Marty, you'll like it. So it's yeah. like an easy recommend. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Okay. I it has phenomenal voice acting. It's really good. Um, yeah, Rich Summer plays uh, one of the main characters. The other main character. Uh, Sissy uh, Jones, her name is. She's yeah. an awesome job. I think she won um, 
She won some voice award. I don't know what they're called, like a BAFTA or something. Oh, really? Oh. For she, that game? For that role, yeah. Oh. She won. Oh, they're, some, they're called the Voices. Prestigious <laughs> award. No, they're not called Voices. <laughs> uh, like that's honestly one of my one of my favorites for for sure. Um, uh, yeah, what remains of Edith, Edith Finch? I actually really liked too. I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. That was cool. And actually, there's one that I um, one game. It's more of like a puzzle game, but I guess it's indie. It's called Space Chem. Where like oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of it. It's re- I really like it just because you're like assembly. You're basically making like these factory things that are assembling different molecules, and you know you and you. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but basically you're programming a bunch of these, uh, you know, directions and stuff to that these molecules you're moving around this map and you're you're making bonds and you're forming you know, compounds and stuff to, to fulfill like a, an order or whatever. Like that's super fun. I don't play that many though. No, I thought of something I hadn't really thought of in a while. There used to be a lot on uh, Xbox live on the 360, And I used to pick quite a few up on there. And my favorite was, yeah, it was Shank. Uh, (laughs) I think my favorite, though, was, uh, I can't remember the name, but it was like the puzzle game. And you and I used to play it all the time. And it had like galactic combo. Astropop. Astropop. I love that fucking game. Yeah. Galactic combo. Giga combo. (laughs) That game was fucking awesome. It was. Um, yeah, and you know what, um, what was that other game, uh, Castle Crashers? Like, that was, like, a really big one back in the day. I think, generally now, though, uh, mind you, I wouldn't know, because I don't spend much time on the, the PlayStation s- store, but, like, indie games are, like, a PC thing. They're on there. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it feels like you have to really look for them. Yeah. Because, like, I saw a few on Steam, and I was thinking, oh, this looks neat, and then I realized it actually came out for PS4 before. Oh, I like, oh, yeah. I guess Interesting. I just... Maybe, but also maybe I'm not on my PS4 as much. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, I can't neglect my 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 passion. That was my passion for something. It was The Long Dark. Oh, yes. I love that fucking game. Yes. I played the hell out of that game. You did. And you know what? I'm, I'm really excited. I think this summer, um, The Forest is coming out on PS4. Yeah, apparently that's really good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick it up on PS4 for sure. It's multiplayer, too. It could be really fun. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I don't play that many indie games. Mind you, I don't play that many AAAs either. But I want to go back to the definition of AAA. Yeah. So I've got some thoughts on that too. When I think of AAA, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what I think of. I think of yeah, I guess paying the full like 70, 80 MSRP, but like also these games that are like costing as much as movies to make. That's now, what right? I think of. Yeah. yeah. So what I think of is the cost that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, and the manpower. So a lot of these AAA titles have a full voice cast. They have 300 people working on it for five years. You know, other than the Call of Duties, which, you know, have a shorter life cycle or the Assassin's Creed, because they have a lot of built in, you know, things. They have foundations. They do. Yeah. And a lot of like the uh, the graphics and that are already existent. Like they can build off of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the foundations. Um, but then like. The new God of War, you know, that's like a five-year thing, right? You know, um, yeah. Grand Theft Autos, Red Dead Redemptions, you know, anything by Rockstar for the most part. It's like a five-year commitment to make these games, right? And I know, like, the Grand Theft Auto Five. I think that costs, like, upwards of $500 million. Like, it was very costly. Um, I Hopefully, I'm not just talking out of my ass there. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, it made its money back. 
Um, so when I think of it, I think of the cost and the manpower involved and the scope, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's tough to... It's tough to imagine I guess, that. though, inherently, the scope of a game comes f- with the amount of cash that's getting poured into it, right? Yeah. Like, you can only do so much with a certain amount of funds, no matter what your vision for the game is. Yeah, it really comes down to money, because, I mean, you need the money to get the people to work on it. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of tough to really nail down, though. So, like, I, when I think of every single game that comes out on a console is AAA. Um, like, okay, so, okay, let's, um, let's see. Dishonored. Is Dishonored's AAA title? I'm not sure. How about Event Horizon? Or what's Horizon Zero Horizon Dawn? Zero Dawn. That is AAA. That's title. AAA yeah. for sure, right? Yeah. Okay. I guess because, uh, you look at the studio that was made by the same guys that did Kill Zones. Those, yeah. those games were always AAA. Yeah. So is it, it's like Moby said, studio based? Like the size of a studio? I think it's size of studio has got to be a factor. Yeah. You know, um, because you think of some of the most popular indie titles, like they were made sometimes by one or two people. Yeah. You know, sometimes it was like an animator and a writer. Yeah. You know, or like a programmer. Um, what, like Minecraft? Like, I think that was one guy at the beginning, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. And, and like, that is probably the most successful indie game of all time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Incredibly successful. Like, insanely Just the amount of merchandise that's spun off of that shit. Just, yeah. Like, kids go fucking crazy for that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they don't call it Minecraft for, for you know, yeah, not I mean, a reason. I right? never understood it. I tried to get into it. I just... Yeah, you know, I, I honestly did not give it a fair shake at all, but I didn't really want to. Yeah. Never interested me. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> We're all agreed. No Minecraft. Yeah. Leave it to the little kids that are like geniuses and build giant pyramids with it. You know, I so I think when I think of these AAA titles, like the epitome of AAA titles, you know, the they're really these like these console sellers, these like franchises that really push, especially consoles. I mean, you see them on PC too. But it's usually like a port. Like, I mean, I think a lot of the AAA titles are really, for the most part, console-based. Yeah. You know, um, there are some on PC, right? Obviously, like, I mean, Overwatch is both on, on everything, right? But, uh, and it's a, just a multiplayer game. But I would call that a AAA title because it's made by Blizzard. You know, it's got a big production value. Okay. I'm sure it costs a ton of money. But, yeah. obviously, they make it back. But I think for the most part, you know, it really is a console sort of phenomenon. I think so. What is the MSRP difference between these games on console versus a PC? Is there a difference? Uh, sometimes, but I find for the most part, brand new titles that are AAAs are seventy nine ninety nine on okay. PC. But I, they go down fine. quicker. I have noticed right. that. Yeah. And a lot of times, very quick, you'll see a thirty nine ninety nine like I, like within a month. I saw Assassin, the new Assassin's Creed, on for half price. Whoa. And I think it was around Christmas, so they were probably pushing it hard. Yeah. But still, that's that's a big drop. Yeah, I guess that's like digital downloads too, right? Yeah. Yeah, very low overhead. Right. No but way. though, you still compare that to some of the prices of the PlayStation Store. PlayStation Store is fucking ridiculous. They gouge you. Very rarely. I would rarely, never buy yeah, a game from PlayStation honestly, Store. Honestly, very rarely do you find something worth buying on If that. it was impossible to find physically, maybe you'd have you'd have to do it. But, like, they fucking gouge you. It's ridiculous. The huh? only time it's good is if you have a, a PS Plus and it's on sale. So then you get the Plus discount on top of the sale, yeah. which sometimes is 20%. 
So if something's on sale, you know, you might get it for like 80% off. Which How is, often does that happen? Uh, it does happen, but I so mean, so you're paying eighty bucks a year for a PS Plus. Yeah, on the off chance you're gonna get a slight <laughs> discount. No, on No, you, you really would need to be using it, right? Like, of course. Know, so and, and, so like I never would. No, and I didn't when I had. I had it yeah. for a year, and I downloaded all the free games, and I think I played one of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, just because I'm curious. So, what makes the PS Store so bad? compared to buying physical releases like is it uh is it more expensive than buying the physical release or like the same it is more expensive sometimes uh, because you sometimes you get way better deals on amazon and the other aspect too is you would it should be cheaper it's not physical right it's not physical you know if i'm gonna pay the same price i might as well own it yeah, yeah, I would much prefer to have the physical disc. Yeah. But just when, if you and I are comparing, like if I compare prices something I can find on the PlayStation Store to prices for the same game that you get on Steam, yeah, the PlayStation Store is always more expensive. Yes. Even if it's five bucks more, that's still five bucks more. That adds up. What's the fucking difference? I don't understand. Why? Why is it like that? It To me, it... It's pretty clear that it's different because I've had Steam effectively like using it a lot for like six months, and I probably bought like twenty five games. I probably own the same amount of PS four games, right? Over what five years, <laughs> right? So like, and I've probably spent a tenth of the amount of money on the Steam games, right? It's not like I'm dropping big bank here. It's like they're cheap games, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and you get good worthwhile games for sometimes three dollars, yeah. You know, yeah. if, you, if you wait, you, and you can put it on your wish list, and they email you when it's on sale. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? Please, please buy this for less money than we've been trying well, honestly, to Honestly, you know, we, if we're going to get into nitpicking between console and PC, it's fucking bullshit that you have to pay to play online on a console. Oh, 100%. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's Microsoft's fault. Yeah. Yeah. And it's coming to every console now, too. It's coming to the uh, Switch. That's, yes, it is. Dude, that's, yeah. some, that's bullshit. It is. It, it's it's not doing them any favors. I don't know. Fuck. And, and you know what? They added in all this stuff to make it seem like it's worthwhile, like the free games and stuff. It, that would be worthwhile if you could use it to buy things you wanted. You know? <laughs> right. But you don't get to pick, and a lot of times they're not worthwhile, and you don't own them once the, once say, the time's up. Yeah. As soon as you, you're no longer having that PlayStation Plus, you don't have access to those games. Yeah. So, is there still a place for AAA titles? Because it feels like there really is. Like, I don't think they're going anywhere. No, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I just think they're going, uh, there's just going to be less of them. I think companies are going to take fewer risks. Yes. Like, they're just going to continue to make sequels like they do with Wolfenstein or Mass Effect or... At least some of those sequels feel like they put time in, you know, like that, like at least there's like a three or four year period where it feels like they're expanding upon the game. Does it or is it more that the scope has gotten so large that there's a mandatory three to four years that need to go into development before you can even release it anyways? I don't I don't think so, because we were getting a new Call of Duty every year and I know they alternate studios. Okay, but and maybe they, true, maybe yeah. they alternate between three now. I'm not sure, but it, those are the games where I think that's actually getting less and less popular. And I don't know if that's a triple A cost thing or if that just has to do with the evolution of first person shooters. Yeah, you know that's kind or of lack thereof. 
Well, and it's kind of moving toward like those um, like battleground type games are what's most popular right now. You know, like mm-hmm. Fortnite and uh, and P and Player Unknown Battlegrounds, right? Yeah, yeah. Now all these games have that mode coming out, right? They're all copying that, and that's like yeah. the new, that's the new deathmatch, right? Right. So World Call of Warships is doing it. <laughs> even yeah, well, really, that's, yeah, that's crazy, right? And like that's the new thing, right? You know, it used to be split, you know, four screen co op shooters. And now we're getting into these hundred man death matches, right? And uh, I, I think we're going to see a little less popularity in terms of the Call of Duties, the battlefields, etc. Just because of that, there's more on the market, and some of it's free. Fortnite doesn't cost anything. That's crazy. Yeah. So why yeah. would you spend eighty dollars plus whatever DLC costs are going to cram down your throats when you can play it for free? Yeah. Honestly, this is just beginning to realize like make me realize that yeah like pc gamers really are the master race <laughs> they just like have all the good the best stuff right they, like they're why very, wouldn't they're, yeah. if you were to get into video games right now why would you not just be a pc gamer That's i wonder why i didn't do it earlier right cost i guess the entry into getting the pc and yes. stepping into it, you know, for me, it was expensive because I had to get everything, right? I didn't yeah. have anything. But once you're in, it's not like you're replacing everything at once. Right. You know, you can you can run a rig probably for 10 years just, you know, uh, Frankensteining that bitch. Unless you <laughs> insist on gaming laptops like Moby. Yes, unless you're like Moby. Then every, don't be every, like every Moby. Three, yeah, don't be like Moby. <laughs> but, uh, no, I hear you. And one thing, I mean, I, I know this is a slight tangent away from... Um, our, our discussion AAA titles, but with Steam and GOG.com, but especially Steam, you can get a ton of old classic console games that have now just been ported to Steam, like the Final Fantasy series. That's oh, where I play it's them. It's all everything. Almost everything you could want is on there, except for maybe like Nintendo exclusives. Yeah. Yeah. And so really, that's kind of your starting point as a gamer. Why wouldn't it be? You know, do you guys remember probably about five years ago, it was talked about that mobile gaming was going to kill the AAA title. Like, that was the big thing. Yeah. It was like these mobile ga- everyone's playing mobile games. That's all everyone plays. More people are playing mobile games than anything else. That never happened. No. And I don't even feel like mobile games are that big of a deal anymore. Like, I, they're around. You know, you can play like Fortnite on your phone. Hmm. But I can't imagine. Well, you can play player unknown battleground on your phone too you can yeah <laughs> like it's ridiculous but is that just because these things are so popular they're gonna put them on everything or is I that guess. because you know mobile games are popular i think it's the other i think it's the first yeah yeah definitely because i don't really i can't think of any recent phone games i've played mm-hmm. you know i mean leland you played that game you know with uh your uh your tabletop uh, your yeah player, what right? the hell was that game called like, under sea uh, submarine i totally fun. Oh, subterfuge. Yeah, subterfuge. yeah, but that's not even supported anymore. That came out in 2015. And is no longer supported by the developers. Really? So if it stopped working, it would stop working. Wow. Yeah, it was oh. a it was a Kickstarter game too. Actually, and they stopped like updating it. I guess. Well, I don't know about that, but like, uh, I guess that's supporting it, though, right? Like, yeah. So if there are, are problems or weird things happening, I don't think anyone's fixing them. Yeah, hmm. fully unsupported. I think. I think one of the other things killing AAA's is the expectation level two. Yeah. So when a AAA title gets an eight around all these review websites, 
that's like a pass for a lot of people. I know yeah, for me, insane. that that can be a pass. Be, well, because of the well, that can be a wait and see. Yes, because of the cost. So yeah, I could wait, I, yeah. right? Um, but when a game gets a ten, it sells a console for me. Honestly, like I, you know, my PlayStation wasn't working. I went and got a new one to to play the new God of War because right. it was getting you know universal praise. Um, same with uh, getting a Switch for Zelda, right? Was that, you know, the smartest financial decision? No, but for them, I'm sure they're happy, you know? Totally. So, you know, they, yeah. there is that, like, threshold. Like, they have to make a game, and they have to make it damn near perfect. And the expectations of a game that costs $80 are a lot higher than a game that costs 10 You know? Stardew Valley is a great game, but, I mean, is it, like, is it a 10 compared to some of these other games that have had, you know so much manpower and time put into it. I mean, you could argue like a game like that especially is because it's creative and it's it's really like has a lot of universal appeal, right? But it's the cost that makes it okay. You know, like it's okay to dip your toe in. It's $20. Yeah. That makes a yeah, big the, difference. The barrier to entry is 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 a barrier to entry. I mean, do you think though uh AAA titles are like they're way more constrained in the thing compared to indie games in what they can do and the innovation that they can employ because of the stake. The stakes are so high. Yes. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right. I think they're Point like for these, Leland. here we go. I think they're like these gigantic juggernauts that can kind of move just in one direction. Yeah. Because you have so many resources poured in, you have such a large team. You don't really have the ability to take the initiative and be like, yeah, this is going really wrong. You know, I don't think we should charge for loot crates to make the game playable. <laughs> you know, like, who can what? stand up and you get say a, that? You get a lashing at EA for that talk. You totally. <laughs> you totally. Well, here's something to think about. Think about some of your favorite AAA titles. Like, one of mine is Bioshock. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. And that steps outside of the norm, especially at the time, right? That did push the the genre forward. That pushed the storytelling forward. That did things that were unique at the time, right? Now, they're not unique now because everyone copied it. But at the time, they could have been very risky. Yeah. You know, you're, you're risking telling a story that is a lot more complicated than philosophically than a lot of other games were at the time. Yeah. You know, and the gameplay was a lot more open than a lot of first-person shooters. Yeah. It was a risk. And... It paid off. So I'm thinking it does, it can really pay off. You know, you can, you can make a triple A title and it could be one of the best games ever made if you take the risk and it succeeds. But the well, risk, sure, but it's still a gamble. And I think though, you have to take that Bioshock success, success with a grain of salt. I feel like the, uh, the transfer from the PS2 era to the 360 era, those two generations, like, once you hit the 360, I think that's really when AAA titles started to become more of a thing. The cost getting higher, the risk is getting higher. So there, at that time, there was more room for that innovation, even at those higher risks, because the risks weren't as high as they are now. I think so. I risks, still think it's all yeah. relative. I think the risks are, are always getting higher. You're, you're right because the cost is continually going up. I yeah. think it started earlier. I think it started closer to the N64, PS1 era. Um, when we hit these 3D graphics, when we hit the discs, when we hit the, like these Final Fantasy sevens, for example, which had huge development times, these like some of those long long form RPGs, which 
some of them are so good for the PS1 era. And to your credit, probably the reason why they aren't as good now and we don't see as many innovative ones is the cost. Like, I think we were at the threshold of innovation at that point when you could push innovative you maybe even couldn't call them triple A titles. They were probably double A titles then, you know, like, yeah, they, especially compared to now. You're right. right? Yeah, uh, uh, but they were the highest end games of the time. Yeah. And by that standard, you could push the innovation more then. you could risk it more then. if you had a flop, you could always release another one. And the developers were a lot more secure. Like the game sold more. They, you could almost sell something based on the name of, you know, rareware, you know, yes, or right. Squaresoft, You're right? right? But I think also at the time there was the competition was less. Yes. For companies operating at those higher levels. And internet. That, yeah. You know, um, how quickly does a, a developer suddenly turn everyone against them? You right. Know? How much mm-hmm. did everyone hate EA games after um, the latest Battlefront? Yeah. How much did everyone hate um, the Mass Effect Andromeda or the developers for that. Oh, sure. I mean, even just the original ending of uh, Mass Effect 3, like yes. the uproar about that, like this trilogy building up to this and then you get the fucking shaft. <laughs> that, that's another story that, that people complaining could change the ending of a game, <laughs> but uh, that would be a fun discussion down the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think as long as companies have integrity and they stand behind their products and they put things out that matter and they don't have loot boxes they don't have pointless and frivolous dlc people will buy them and they'll support them you know generally speaking like fans love the witcher 3 because for the most part i I can't pick that developer apart at all like they gave away 21 pieces of dlc for free yeah and the two they charged for were between 20 and 60 hours long right and you can buy them both for 15 dollars yeah. yeah yeah but also you run into the problem of just like anything when you take the viewpoint of the consumer is that that integrity is still a consumer by consumer basis so yes while there are things that are like objectively fucked up shit for companies to be doing there's still that line for everybody and oh 100 percent, right yeah. so it's like i don't know i would do not envy being a developer and trying to walk the, the line which it's impossible to find sometimes. Tough. It is tough, but I feel like they push it a lot. It gets pushed so much that, uh, and, and especially right now, you know, I think the consumer is very cautious about that. They're very wary of the loot boxes. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah, that's the yeah. big thing, right? Two years ago, they were everywhere anyways. But, but are, are they really that wary, though, when they're, the loot box model is still lucrative enough for these companies to be still employing them regardless of the feedback? Like, honestly, if the masses are, are giving their money and buying these loot yeah. boxes, then serves them the fuck right. No, you're, no, I, I, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, no one's forcing you. Right. As long as it's not game-breaking, no one's forcing you. Especially if it's just something that is like... Um, and even then, no one's forcing you. You don't have to buy the game, right? Yes, I, I think that uh, leads into a further conversation about... Uh, integrity in like review sites and reviewers in general that yeah. a lot of people depend on and yeah. if if that reviewer is not uh, above board yeah. and is not really you know doing their their readership or their viewership a service and in informing the consumer of of the problems potential problems like that's a whole nother conversation too but I, that's a big part of it i think too I watched a YouTube video a while back, and it had a segment on a guy who worked for GameSpot, and he was reviewing, uh, I think, the second Kane and Lynch game. 
Okay. And <laughs> he uh, he didn't like it. He yeah. gave it like a five or a six, I think, or maybe even a four. It was low. I, I don't want to be inaccurate here. But he was asked very kindly to rethink his rating because Ooh. the uh, the game was actually promoting on the website. Uh. He said no. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, about, you know, not too, not too long down the road, they let him go. Right. Mm. He actually works for a company that owns GameSpot now. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, he's, so he's back there, but he, he's come out now and said, like, yeah, that I was fired because of my review. That's crazy. And I'm I guarantee you that happens. You know, well, I mean, to. how much how much does that go on at IGN? I don't pay attention to anything IGN does anymore. It happened for years. I yeah. would, so what I, I do read IGN, but um I usually temper it with reviews from I, one website I like is Polygon. They yeah, don't, they don't always do a. I don't think they, they do a lot of different shit too. Yeah, and they don't always do scores or anything. Yeah, they, they'll just talk about things. Right, and it's it's sometimes it's it's very much an, an opinion piece. But well, sure, as any review is really that's sure. what it boils down to. Right? But you know, it's it doesn't always feel as objective as maybe it should. But that's okay because well, okay again we're totally getting into another conversation here. No, no, I, I know what, I know what you're but saying. But I'm fully yeah. on board and getting in with it. I think. What you're doing is, I think there is a difference between a preview and a review. Yeah. Whereas a review is incredibly opinionated. No, it's true. But a preview should just be laying out some facts. And yeah. whether or not that preview or review are paid should never change that. But I also feel like a review has to take in consideration how other people would enjoy this game to an extent. I think that is kind of the purpose of the website, right? You're trying to tell people who are coming to the website, would you like it? And sometimes you have to lay things out in a way of, you know, I might not like first-person shooters, but objectively this is a good first-person shooter, right? Right. So I think there is that. But your objectivism, uh, objectivism is still opinion-based. Yes. And this is going to go down a long rabbit hole if we go this way. <laughs> The T-HUD uh, philosophy segment. <laughs> no, I, and and you're right. You're, you're totally right. That's the thing. It's going to be different for everybody. And you know, when it comes to ethics, everyone has a different view of ethics, you know? So you work... Yeah. There are... Yeah, you would think there's a line, but that line shifts even if it's just a little bit. And, uh, you know, morality and ethics and all these things when it comes to developing games, like, have we really spent that much time, like, deciding as a society what that is i don't think we have even come close so that's because at the end of the day it's inconsequential oh exactly i mean we're bitching about you know loot boxes yeah right that we that we don't buy or yes contribute to right yeah exactly and it's but though i think there is a there is uh like that's necessary because somebody has to hold those these developers accountable and it's the consumers that are the only people that can so at the end of the day, it comes down to the consumer to make your choice. You can read a hundred different reviews on a product, but you're still making your own choice. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're going to be influenced by a lot of different factors, but it's still your choice at the end of the day. And you can't hold anybody else accountable for that choice that you're making. This is why I like Steam user reviews. Yeah. Because you go on there and they will flat out say if like this game is broken on PC, you know? Yeah. Like there are, you know you have to log into like the company's website to even run it you can't play it offline stuff like that like they'll say that and they'll be like i don't like it because of this like you know this is not user friendly this was poorly ported whatever right and it seems to give it a more broader kind of thing right you might only get one paragraph from 100 people but it kind of gives you a good consensus of what the people think right 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 and i like that i like that it's not just one opinion it's many 
Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just soaking it up. I mean, I have only one last point, but it's so different than what you guys were talking on. I was just letting you. Let I don't even know where we started on that. No, I don't know. We went I down. Forget. I mean, it was a good conversation. I thought it went well. I think so. Okay, well, so I'm going to jump in here with my last point just so I say it. I buy a lot less AAA titles now. And when I was thinking about why that is, it's because growing up as a kid, I would be able to rent uh, video games and play demos or buy shareware for PC games before I bought those. And for the most part, that is now gone. That's now missing because there's no movie stores left. And they don't make demos and for And they a don't make games. demos. So really your only choice is usually watching like company footage of them showing the game footage or certain people on YouTube that content creators that are given a trial version of the game. But that's not good enough for me. No. That's not good enough for me. On Steam, you can play something for two hours and then return it. But, yeah, that's but right. But that's not really enough no, for some that's, games. That's right? Not. You're right about the renting. I think that is something that is honestly like something i miss yeah i don't know yeah. it wouldn't work nowadays i mean unless i mean i wouldn't want to pay a, a company five dollars to rent a game online i don't think yeah. you wouldn't do it you wouldn't be like hey here's five bucks for a code that i can go in and put in and, and play, i can play this play for, for two a, hours a certain amount of time know, or whatever or like three days well no what what if you yeah okay a week how about seven yeah. days you had well, seven days to play this to your heart's content you know what they do have a service like that on playstation like a game rental thing yeah you, you give them i think it's like 30 i don't know how much it is i think we talked about this before. yeah ps now i think it's called um but they're all last gen i think for the most part mm. and you can play yeah. and you can play like 300 last gen titles over that what however many you want right but i don't they're not next they're not they're not brand new and that that does make a difference yeah you know? man i didn't even think about demos not really being a thing anymore yeah that's crazy they used to come with like magazines and stuff you get like yeah that's cool yeah i remember we used to have there was one I played over and over and over, which was, it was a PC CD. It was for Macintosh, actually. And it was Final Fantasy VII. You could play the first Mako Reactor. And I played that so many times at my mom's school because I'd have to wait there if she had, like, meetings or something. I, I could beat that first boss. The Scorpion thing is like a science. <laughs> so. I remember playing a Spyro 2. Like uh, like demo and like it was like Halloween and I was just playing the shit out of it over and over again and I was like I want this game so bad I never got it but man the skateboarding was fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah huh so AAA is not dead but it has some challenges it's still gonna be sticking around yeah well you know what I think as long as there's consoles and console sellers you know yep as long as there's a a market for the Legend of Zelda, as long as there's a market for God of War, as long as there's a market for Gears of War, like these games are not going away anytime soon. I was waiting for you to kind oh. of throw it in. All right, boys. All right. Oh, my my final thoughts on AAA. Sure. Well, I think the costs are getting more and more prohibitive for me. I mean, honestly, like I've or I've purchased. Let's see how many how many console games have I purchased. In the last year and a half. Well, you usually bought, borrow them from me. Exactly. And I usually buy them after they become half price. Exactly. So literally <laughs> the only AAA title that I've purchased in all of 2017 and so far all of 2018 was God of War. Yep. Legitimately. <laughs> oh, I think I actually I got Bloodborne in 2017. You did, but I think you got it on 
I got super cheap. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a release. No. Like, I just don't do that anymore. No. And not, I paid. Now, God of War was incredibly worth the price. Yeah. Worth the $90 after taxes that I fucking paid for that game. It was. But that's fucking ridiculous. It is really high. That's insane. Especially because a lot of these games are eight hours long. Yeah. You know, like, it was uh, Detroit Become Human is coming out soon, and that's from that, like, Heavy Rain developer. Yeah. Those games are never that long. Like, what, can you expect a 10-hour game out of it? Yeah. 15, maybe? That's crazy. And, it, like, for $90? I, I don't know. I'm paying nine bucks an hour to play this fucking game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying minimum wage to play this. <laughs> yeah, I just... I It sucks, though, because... A lot of these games, I want to just go out and play. Like, I get an urge to play it. Yes. But then you go and you try to find it for a decent price, and it's still, like, full price. That's what happened with Persona 5 for me. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, I really need to play this RPG, and I could not find it anywhere except on the PlayStation Store. Right. Except for $79. Yeah. Now, sure as shit, it went on sale, like, the next week. Ugh. <laughs> because, you know, that's how these things go. But, yeah, yeah it's... uh. I, I I agree with you on the prohibitive price, you know, and like, is that where we end? Because it seems like it's slowly going up over time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Wait, I don't, are we going to be paying a hundred dollars for for games now soon? Like, because I think seventy nine is like pretty average now. Yeah, that's like a regular MSRP, right? You know, that's what you see for the Call of Duties and the Assassin's Creeds and all those. You know, yeah. it's rare when it's thirty nine or fifty nine even. Yeah. Sometimes developers do release low. I think there was that uh, multiplayer game that just came out. I think it's called Days Gone or something. It was like the one where you play as two guys breaking out of prison. And it was, oh, yeah. yeah. And that was like 39. Ah. Um, but that's the exception. Yeah, it is the exception. I don't know. But I will say, though, with these games, like, I play the hell out of those games, though. Like, I, oh, yeah. I make sure I get my money's worth. That's something, too. I mean, it it's like the cost is almost like making you like like it more is it I, like i don't know but when i buy games, i think i think that you're s- totally got something going with something that there because... because when i buy something on steam for five bucks i might not play it for two years right but if i buy a game for 90 dollars and i don't play it i'm gonna be like oh man yeah exactly i'm a dummy right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's totally right they shame you into playing <laughs> well i mean i'm lucky enough where i just Basically, I, I wait out till summer, and then my birthday rolls around. And if there's a game you think I really need to play, you just buy it for me. So. <laughs> well, it seems to be your birthday a couple times a year now, Leland. Because <laughs> I'm buying you sometimes winter, sometimes summer. <laughs> you get games. Always birthday. <laughs> Always birthday. <laughs> uh, I love well, that meme. I don't think we solved anything with either of our segments today. <laughs> no. No, so that's we, typical we, tea. We pretty, we pretty much just said this is good and bad for everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Cool. We're very opinion based. We're not a. We're not very objective whatsoever no. at the Tea Podcast. But I thought we covered some good ground with the AAA titles. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, I thought both segments were good. Obviously, at least financially for these developers, there's certainly room in people's expenditures for to go around for all these types of games, right? Like it must be. These games keep getting made, so they they must be making money. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the the big ones do. Well, and that's that kind of goes inherently into it with if the triple A's are coming are from these larger studios, those larger studios are making money to make more. It's a it's, yeah. It's a Uroboros. It's eating its own tail, right? Yeah. 
But, you know, I, the risk, though, man, like five years of development, and if something sinks. That's so crazy. You know? That's insane. Because, like, I was reading, I think it costs them about $10,000 a month per person working on the games, on the AAA titles. Jesus. Right? For, like, you know, every aspect of their salary and everything, right? Right, right, right. On average. And that's a lot of money. You know, 300 people, 120 grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine being like the division guy for a game like, oh, the, like the yeah. guy like overseeing it all? Well, like, and most of them work like when games are in crunch time, like they're working like eighteen hour days. Yeah, you know, like uh, I think the guy who made God of War is Corley, Corey Barlog or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he made uh, he was on God of War one. He was he directed number two, and then he took took some time away, worked on some other games. I think he worked on the Tomb Raider reboot. He was like one of the cinematic oh, yeah. directors or something. And then he came back because he got an offer to make the new God of War, and uh, he had a vision for it. And, you know, when he read the reviews, he broke down and cried. Because yeah. it was yeah. so, like, you know... There's a, actually quite a few interview videos with him that I've, I've watched on YouTube. Um, I watched one... Maybe we can get into it in our next episode when we actually talk about God of War. Yeah, actually. that's a good idea. Yeah. Sorry, Corey, you'll have to wait. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and so we'll listener for two weeks. Yep. Well, tune in next time yeah. to the Tihad Popcast. All right. And the show stuff. And the show stuff. If uh, you like what you're doing, give us give us a comment. Give us a review on iTunes. Uh, like our Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Just search TT Popcast. And uh, especially check out our website. A brand new website. Well, we've had it up for a month, I think, now. Yeah. Maybe a little Developed longer. like one... <laughs> one piece of content each so there's lots up there there's lots actually yes stay one tuned piece of content before our next god of war episode there i will be releasing a god of war article and then what did you title it we were joking about a movie and you titled it like the story or the the history of god of war you never wanted yes <laughs> <laughs> so i think i'm gonna write that so if you need a precursor or unfamiliar with god of war check that out before episode 24 and you can find it at ttpopcast.com. Yeah. And, All right. And you can uh, find my Las Vegas exploration blog on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of those messages, they were like literal one-liners that I was just killing myself. <laughs> just Marty observations. <laughs> did Did Marty say yes to the drug dealer? Find out on the <laughs> Well... <laughs> All right, I'm, on that note. I've been Leland Steele. And I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, oh. listener. Bye-bye. <laughs> you forgetting that. <laughs>